God, good to see you back into the house of the Lord. It's always a joy to worship the Lord together. Now, before I preach the word of God, uh, let's just review our memory verse, shall we? Are you ready? Ah, okay, I want to hear you loud, okay? Not just myself, but hear you loud. What is our church team for this year? Can I have it loud and clear? Ready? One, two. Okay, that's our church team. And what is our team verse? Mark chapter 9, verse 23. That's very good. So as a count of three, all of you say it aloud. All right? The memory verse for Mark 9, 23. Ready? Go. You can. Very good, very good. I can hear starting very loud. Then go down. <laughs> all right. So next week when we do that again, I hope that all of you can be uh, can do so in unison. And our second verse for the our second memory verse for the month of February is Genesis chapter fifteen verse six. You know right? You got the calendar right? Okay. And it's a very short verse. So let's say it together. Genesis fifteen six verse. Okay. Abraham, okay, Pastor Francis, you keep quiet, let them say, <laughs> ready, one, two, Genesis 15, six, Abraham, yes, and he credited to him as righteousness, okay, very good, these are two short verses, and I trust that, you know, we'll get excited over it, and you'll build up our faith. So this morning, I would like to continue of the emphasis of IDMC. As you know that the IDMC that we have embarked on about two years ago is on Intentional Disciple Making Church. And in this IDMC, there are four processes, as you can see, connect, equip, mentor, and release. And for the last uh, one and a half year, we have dealt with the first three, connect, equip, mentor. And now we are emphasizing on the last process here that is on release. Now, I want you to know that these four processes are not to be seen separately. It's not that we do connect first, and then after we finish connect, we do equip. After that, we forget about the last two, you know, we go on mental. No, but they are to, to be seen as a whole, all right? So even as we emphasize on release, release is the idea of release is to bring about a missional church, which is also in line with our church vision statement. There is a missional church that transforms lives and impacts nations. Now, release is not the last thing. Release is not the last thing that we do in IDMC. But rather, release is the byproduct of every IDMC process. Now, I'm going to show you this diagram. Now, this diagram, the next diagram, okay. I know it's a bit small, but this is from uh, Pastor Benny himself. You notice that in this diagram, right, you have connect, equip, and mentor as a tree, but you don't, he doesn't want to put release as the fourth one. If not, you will, uh, from the circle, you divide into four portions. Instead of dividing the four portions, he's trying to tell us that release take place in every emphasis in the entire process of IDMC. Even as we are connecting people, 
when we connect people to God, when we connect people to the church, when we connect people to the cause, we are actually sharing the gospel. We are releasing as well in serving the Lord. So even in equipping, as we equip our, our head, our heart, our hand, we equip what we are equipping to serve, right? That is releasing. And then when we mentor, we mentor, we want disciples again. Discipleship is a, is a way whereby we serve the Lord, where we preach the gospel. So I want you to see that the release actually takes place uh, in every aspect of the IDMC process, all right? And so release, you can say, is an end goal. It's an end goal of the Christian life. That is to make disciples in fulfilling the mandate of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I would like to entitle my message as released to serve. Released to serve. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, a very familiar verse, which is a great commission of the Lord Jesus. And what does it say here in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20? Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. And then, baptizing them, read out, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And That's right. right. So that is, this is a great commission. And in this release process, we are releasing into three different areas of ministry. The great commission of the Lord is not just evangelism, it's go and make disciples. So it's just more than sharing the gospel. It's involved equipping, it involves mentoring as well. And so now when we are doing this, in this release process, there are three aspects, which Pastor Francis have touched on last week, that is we are released to the Christian ministry. That is, we serve. We serve in the church, we serve in the Christian ministry. And then release to the marketplace. That means wherever you are, in your workplace, you know, in your colleges, in your school, in the business circles, you continue to live out the life of Jesus. You continue to be Christ's influencer in the circle of friends that you are related to. And of course, finally, the release to missions that is being missional, both local as well as global. Like local, we have planted work uh, in Sabah, in uh, Kota Kinabalu, that's very good, uh, in, and also in Miri. And then, of course, the, the, the uh, global part that is, we talk about uh, foreign missions that our church is also actively involved in. So to put it together in a very short form, uh, in short, release simply means serving God. It has to do with serving God. Whether serving God in the church or outside the church. Uh, whether we, we are serving God in the area of training, discipleship training, or in the area of evangelism. So through this message, I would like to lay the foundation and provide a prosperous perspective of why it is necessary for every Christian to be involved in serving. Because Christ has released all of us to serve him. First of all, Jesus has set the example of serving. Our Lord himself has set the example of serving. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 28, right? and uh, we'll flash up the passage of scripture to you, and I want you to just uh, follow along in this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 20 to 28. The story tells us that one day, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her son, and she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? So Jesus asked him. Uh, Jesus asked her. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in the places of honor next to you, one on your right hand and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we are able. Verse 23, Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials, flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom of many. So you notice that in this story, this mother came before Jesus to have a special request. Perhaps she thought that, well, since my two sons, they were the early disciples of Jesus, James and John, famous disciples, right? Uh, right from the beginning, when Jesus started his ministry, they were the early disciples. They were one of those first disciples, and they've given up their fishing business. They have, you know, uh, surrendered everything, and they've been following Jesus ever since. All right? So they have given up all their career, and therefore they should be rewarded handsomely. So he's telling Jesus, you know, my, my two sons, I'm not just one, you know, two, you know, they give up so much just to follow you, just to give you the support. Well, I think they deserve to be rewarded. All right? And even the two brothers were very confident because Jesus said, are you able to drink the bitter cup? They were very confident. They said, yes, surely we are able to. We are able to share in your suffering. We'll, we will share the, together uh, in your suffering. And therefore, they think that they too deserve to be rewarded. But when the other ten heard about it, the Bible said, they were upset and they felt indignant too. So when the other disciples think, wow, what made you think that you're so great? You think you are the only one that have given up everything to follow Jesus? What about us? We too have given up everything to follow Jesus. We too you know, have been uh, 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 supporting Jesus all this while. We were together as one team. What made you so grand? So you can see you know, inside they were already unhappiness. And when this thing happened, Jesus responded to the request with this classic statement. Now let's turn to the next slide. Matthew 20, verse 28, the last verse, uh, this is where I want to read from the NIV. It says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this is a classic verse that Jesus has spoken. And with this statement, Jesus taught us some important truth about serving. So he tells us that first of all, he said that just as Jesus as a son of man came with the attitude and the intention to serve. While on earth, we know that Jesus was busy, always busy meeting the needs of the people healing the sick, casting out demons, and even feeding them, uh, teaching them. And sometimes he will debate with the religious leaders. Uh, he will stand up for the truth. So his leadership stood in contrast to earthly leaders who clamor for position, who clamor for power. Now many people in the world, leaders in the world, they serve with an ulterior motive just to gain power, even religious leaders too. Right, they want to enrich themselves, they want to enjoy special privileges. We don't have to look far, we look around in our own country. Look at the politicians of our day. What are they called? People call them YB, right? Young Brahman. 
But many of them were not competent on their job. They want the respect, young performer. They wanted to be served and treated special because the, they are the young performer. But many of them, they are not competent. But we thank God there are some good MPs. There are some good MPs who go down to the field, who go down to the ground, who get the job to be done, who are humble, who really serve as a servant heart. And these are the ones who see themselves as a different group of MYP. They see themselves as young Burkitman. It's not the young Burkitman. Want to be lifted up, but the young Burkitman, we are here to serve. And we want to thank God for some very wonderful Christian MPs who really go down to, the, uh, uh, to serve. And they, in their own way, have been a good testimony. Right? They, they, in their own way, has really you know, uh, uh, brought honor right, to the name of Christ as well. Okay? So they are, the here, they are here to serve the right here. They are the ones that earn the praise and respect of many people. Now, this is a type of attitude that Jesus wants us to have to serve wholeheartedly. He wants us to have to serve wholeheartedly. And so when we want to talk about serving wholeheartedly, you realize that true service is sacrificial. Because in this statement, Jesus didn't just say that he came to, uh, to serve, but he went on to say to give his life as a ransom for many. So that is sacrificial serving. In the same statement, it showed that Jesus was willing to give up his life he did all this not for himself, but for sinners, for you and I. Jesus showed us what true servanthood is all about. When Jesus served, he was not thinking of power, he was not thinking of position, he was not thinking of privileges. Right? But why did he serve? He served because he loved. That's what it means. Right? He served out of love not for position. He only thought of us when he was serving. And this is the attitude of service that Jesus wants us to have. In serving, there will be sacrifices. Jesus sacrificed a lot too. Uh, he was being rejected. Uh, he was being persecuted. Uh, he was being hunted down. And eventually, he was arrested and he died for us. There will be sacrifice. It's the same in almost everything that we do. Let's not just talk about, talk about serving God. I'm sure in whatever thing you do, there will be sacrifices. You want to do well in your study, there will be some sacrifices. You want to do well in your career, there will be some sacrifices. Now, even sportmen and sportwomen, sometimes you see them standing on the podium, getting the gold medal, being number one, being the champion. Wow, a lot of people admire them. But do you know that along the way, the road to championship, there's a lot of sacrifices. When people are enjoying our food, you know, they will be very disciplined. Uh, what kind of food to eat and so on and so forth. While we are still on our base sleeping, early morning they already went out, you know, pr probably running and doing their training and all kinds of things. There will be sacrifices. So do not complain of the sacrifices that you need to make when we serve. I know sometimes when we serve the Lord, after a while, sometimes you say, oh, I make so much sacrifice for the church, you know. Right? What do I get? You know, sometimes you get tired, you get weary. But let the words of Jesus encourage all of us. When we serve the Lord with the attitude of servanthood, yes, there will be sacrifice, and Jesus himself has set the example for us. But our sacrifice is an act of worship. Because Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us that we are to offer our bodies to God as living sacrifices. So as Christ is really an act of worship to God, holy and pleasing to God. And it's through the sacrifices that we learn, that we grow, we mature as a Christian, and we find fulfillment in serving. After all the sacrifices, 
you find the fulfillment is worth it all. Like the sportsman and sportswoman, when they stand on the podium, when they become the world champion, when they become the Olympic gold medalist, they will tell you it's worth it all, all the sacrifices. So same thing, Jesus has sacrificed his life for us, and when he look back now, when he look at the church of God, when he see that many people have come to the faith, and many people have entered the kingdom of God, there's a sense of satisfaction, a sense of fulfillment. That's why on the cross he said it's finished. He has done all that the Father has asked him to do. Now the reason why Jesus served was that he loved mankind. He was willing to give his life. So his motivation for service is love. And his attitude for serving is also love. So today let us ask ourselves, what is our motivation for service? What is our motivation for service? Uh, do we serve just to please God or to earn God's favor? Do you know that some people, they have a wrong idea of serving. They thought we serve God because we want to earn God's favor. Uh, so they think that by doing good, by serving, by getting involved, so that we can earn God's favor. Maybe, you know, when we earn God's favor, God will be extra good to us. You know, God will hear my prayer more. God will grant me my de heart desire. And everything will go well with me. Everything will go well with my family. Now, the danger with this mindset is that when things don't go well, they will question God. They say, God, I serve you so hard, but then how come I'm facing so many difficulties in my family? And they give up serving. I don't want to serve. So to them, service is a bargain with God. I serve you, you bless me. It's like trying to earn God's favor. But that should not be the motivation of a service. Yes, I do believe that when we honor God, when we obey God, when we make sacrifices for God, God will also bless us. I believe that. But that is not the reason why we serve. So the motivation should be out of love. And then we have asked ourselves, you know, do we serve for the privileges? It is a privilege to serve. Definitely, it's a privilege to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we must not serve because we want to be accorded certain privileges. If, we, if so, if we want to have certain privileges, then our service is very self-centered. It, it's just like the two disciples who desire to sit at Jesus' right hand and left hand. They will be very self-centered. That I want to serve because I want that special position of privileges. And that's why Jesus actually rebuked them. That's not the way. And thirdly, do we serve out of fear and obligation? Some people serve because they are afraid that if they don't serve God, God will not be happy with them. So it's out of the fear that I better serve, you know. Or you know, they will feel guilty. Right? They'll feel guilty, they'll feel pressure to serve. And so they begin to serve out of obligation just to ease their conscience and make them feel better. Now these are all the wrong motivation for serving. I do not serve out of guilt, do not serve out of fear, but rather serve out of love. So if you realize your serving fall into any one of these categories, this motivation, it's time for you to recalibrate your service to be like Jesus. You don't serve just to prove a point. Some people, they serve because they want to prove a point. I can do it. I'm good enough. No, we don't do that. We serve because we love God. And second reason why we have been released to the ministry is that, that Jesus released his disciples to serve. Uh, Jesus released his disciples to serve. Now, when Jesus came to us, he has a game plan. He has a game plan. His game plan was to make disciples who will carry on his missions before he gave his life for mankind. Or even after he was gone, the disciples would continue 
his mission. That was Jesus' game plan. And so he spent time teaching. He spent time training them. He spent time preparing the disciples. And then Jesus released them to do what he had been doing. Jesus released them to preach the kingdom of God. Jesus released them to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So in the Gospel of Luke, they were twice. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to say, the Bible tells us that Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. The 12 inner circle, the 12 disciples, he sent them out two by two. He said, preach the gospel. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 20, you realize that this time Jesus sent out 72. So two times he sent out. First time is the 12. Then the second time he sent out the 72, two, two by two. He sent them out. He gave them on the job training. Then now you have been with me. Now you go out. Now the master didn't go out. Jesus said, you go out. After that, you come back and report. Of course, the Bible tells us that they came back, they report, they were very excited because they said, hey, you know, demons even obey the name of Jesus, you know, we are able to cast out demons. They were very excited. Jesus released them to serve. Right? So you realize that they were, the, the disciples, they were not trained just to remain as theological students to debate with religious leaders because at the time, a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees and all the religious leaders, they like to debate over the law of God. So they're, they're, when Jesus trained them, it's not to get the theology right. It's not just to debate with the religious leader. The ultimate goal of their being with Jesus was to serve like Jesus. The goal, why Jesus wants them to be with him is that they will serve like him. As Jesus released them to serve on their own, Jesus was helping them to gain what? To gain experience, to gain confidence in ministry. So that when finally Jesus would go to heaven, when he gave his life and ascended to heaven, when the Holy Spirit come upon them, they will know what to do. And so they have acquired both knowledge and both skill from Jesus. And now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, they were effective in carrying out the work of the ministry. So that's why the Bible tells us on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that time on, the Christian faith was never the same again. Right? The Christian faith began to spread because this disciple carried out the mandate of the Lord. In fact, we read from the Gospel account that Jesus provided his followers many opportunities to serve. Now, sending up the 12 and the 72 were only uh, two of those examples that they went out to preach the Gospel. But they are also able to serve Jesus in some other way. You realize that even in the entire ministry of Jesus, there were many women that followed Jesus. And these women are the ones that provided for his need. And many times they are the ones that show hospitality. They are the ones that invite Jesus to their home. They provide for him, they provide for the disciples. They give them a place to stay, a place to rest. As Jesus went about. So these are opportunities to serve God too. So it's not just in preaching and proclaiming the gospel, but even in this supportive ministry that the women were doing. Right? And of course, you know, he also gave chores to the disciple in a day-to-day dealing. Just like for example, you know, when the disciples uh, uh, say that the people were hungry, Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish. But Jesus did not give it to the masses. He asked the disciples to do it. So when he asked the disciples to do it, he was engaging them, uh, allowing them to participate in serving and let them witness the miracle by themselves. As they give off the bread from their hand, when the bread never go out, you know, maybe just one or two loaves of bread, as they give off, hey, how come this bread that I have been giving out to so many people is still continue to be there? They themselves will experience and, and, and witness a miracle firsthand. 
Alright? So that was how right, Jesus gave them chores to do. In the same way, Jesus commanded us to serve. Not only he provided opportunity for the disciples to serve, today he provided us many opportunities to serve, and he has also commanded uh, us to serve. Before Jesus returned to heaven, he gave the final mandate, which we have read just now in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus released the disciples for mission, and the same mandate is still for us. But this mandate is not limited to missions and evangelism alone. It includes disciple making. It includes building up one another. It includes teaching all that Jesus has commanded them. And today we are to do the same. Now, serving is part and parcel of the Christian life. We are saved to serve. If we are not serving, our Christian life is not complete. Our Christian life is not complete. Yes, you may enjoy the worship, you may enjoy the fellowship, you may enjoy the word, but without serving, something is lacking. The Christian life is not complete. All of us have received the mandate from our Lord, and He's releasing us to serve, and He's empowering us with the Holy Spirit, and He's providing us with the necessary gifts to do His work, and therefore, we are without excuse. So that comes to our last point, that Jesus has given us gift to serve. So you notice that in the release part of this IDMC, we are released to serve. First of all, we see that Jesus has set the example. He himself has come to serve, to give his life. And secondly, we see that he has released the disciple to serve. In the same way, he, has, he is also releasing us to serve. But he doesn't release us with nothing. You realize that now he has given us gift to serve. As he released us, he has not only sent the Holy Spirit to anoint us to be with us, he has also given us spiritual gifts. And we know that there are a few passages in the New Testament that talks about the spiritual gift that God has given to the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13 is very clear. Now, in this passage of scripture, it says that these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So it's very clear. It says that these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So Jesus Christ has given the church gifts. Right? The gifts are in the form of the ability he has given to us, not gift in terms of, you know, pack gift, parcel. Right? So their responsibility, uh, what, what has he given? The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So here you can see what is being said here. You see the equip. Uh, you see the mentoring, you see the releasing part of the IDMC process. And so we usually call this gift, right? This fivefold ministry gift. Uh, they, they are uh, Christ given to the church. They seem to be more prominent, but the spiritual gifts are not limited to this list. You realize that in both 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, it provides us two other lists of spiritual gifts. I want you to know that these different lists of spiritual gifts is are not to be used to compare which list is more important. No. But rather, is to, we are to combine all this list together and see for ourselves so many gifts that God has given to the church. Indeed, right, the gifts are abundance in the body of Christ. And there are some gifts who are not even listed in these three passages of Scripture. So gifts are there. Gifts are abundant. Uh, gifts are available. And gifts are not limited to these passages of Scripture. So the key passage that I want to emphasize on spiritual gift is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 11. Right? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 11. Let's take a look at the next slide. 
He said, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Let's focus on the verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. If the word of God is true, then it is true that each of us is given a gift, at least a gift. Some may have more. And this gift is from the great variety of spiritual gifts. So there were many, and each of us have at least one or more. And then the instruction is for us to use them well to serve one another. The Bible clearly speaks about the usefulness of the many gifts that God has given to the church. Just like every talent ought to be appreciated, every gift ought to be used. Every gift is useful. Right? There is no such thing as a useless gift or a talent. If something that's useless, then it's not a gift or talent. So when God gives us gift, when God gives us talent, it's never useless. Perhaps to you, maybe you don't appreciate your own gift, but what God has given to you is useful. How many of you know this uh, Chinese legend of the Ten Brothers? Saping Dai. You don't know? Uh? Yeah, some of you will know. When I tell you, you know. Uh, the story talk about, right? this is only a legend. Uh, right? And talk about this couple, they swallow some pearls, and you know, they give up to ten brothers. And each brother has a special gift. For example, the eldest brother can see very far. Those of you who know Cantonese, say Chin can see very far. Correct or not? Huh? Then you have another brother, got uh, ear very big one, can hear far, far away, can hear things from far away one. Correct or not? Huh? Then you have, you know, a one guy very tall one. They call it Go Gyok Chat, you know, very tall. Huh? And then you have one one, the last one uh, is a pride baby, Tai Ham Sub, you know, you know all this, you know. So all these ten brothers, they have their unique gift, very unique gift one. Uh. Of course, this is only a legend, not true lah. That's why they are so weird, you know. Uh, they have someone who have a very strong head, you know, that can kill people with the head. So they are, each and every one of them will have a unique gift. And sometimes you wonder, what is this gift, Tai Ham Sub, only know how to cry? It's a cry baby. What use is this gift? <laughs> uh, yeah, in ancient Chinese, uh, they engage mourner to cry one, you know. Uh, because during those times, they want people to cry. If there's not enough sibling to, uh, children to cry, uh, you know, they will engage mourner to cry. The more you cry, the better it is. Uh, so maybe for that. I never thought of that. <laughs> but of course, the story goes that, you know, nobody knows what this, you know, crybaby is going to do. Tai Hamsa, you know, not how to cry. And cry so much, uh, you can really flirt everything, you know. But then one day they discovered when they were in danger, this Tai Hamsa, when she cried, uh, the tears uh, can bring healing. <laughs> then they found out, by accident, they found out that when, the, when they cry, the tears can bring healing. Wow, you see, every gift has its usage. Even the one that you think that no use, it still has its usage. All right? So same thing. You realize that all these ten brothers, when they combine their gift together, now, just the Taihamsa alone cannot do great things. One. 
But when they combine all the 10 special abilities together, they were able to fight a common enemy. They were able to fight a common enemy and become victorious. So same thing. God has given us spiritual gift. Don't underestimate the gift, right? Don't think that your gift is no use. So first thing, do not underestimate the gift that you have. Do not see yourself as a standalone. Right? You, you must not see yourself as a standalone. I will just use my gift for myself, you know. I just go and serve people uh, all by myself. You cannot. Why? Because one gift alone is not enough. The reason why God is fair, He gives everyone different gifts and He wants us to work together. You, feel, you may feel that your gift is lacking, but when you combine with somebody else with a different gift, combine together, it can be very powerful. So therefore, in serving, we do not serve alone. Right? We see that we are all part of the body of Christ. And our individual gifting will find its greater effectiveness when it exercised along with the gift of others. So these gifts are given to us so that it will bring benefits to other people, it bring benefits to those around us. We will find significance when we use our gifts and talents to serve other people. Say for an example, an evangelist can be very good in sharing the gospel. The evangelist can have a mass rally and get many people saved. But after getting the people saved, you realize that the evangelist will go somewhere else and preach the gospel. So when the believers were left behind, who come in and take care of them? The church, the pastor, the teachers. They are the ones that have to strengthen these people, ground them in the faith. So you see, all these gifts must work together, right? So that these people who are saved need to be shepherded so that they can grow in the faith. So do not underestimate your gift and also do not underutilize the gift that you have. Right? Don't underutilize it. Why? Because verse 12, what is verse 12 uh, say? Right? It says that, where's my verse 12? Do, uh, yeah, uh, do not underutilize. You say that you must do it Right? With all the strength and energy that God has supplied. Whatever gift that we have, we must use it with enthusiasm, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Right? And God said that if you are, have the gift of speaking, speak as though God himself is speaking through you. You have the gift of help, then you must do it with all the strength, all the energy that God has given to you. So don't underutilize it. Do all that you can. In the church ministry, you realize that the church, the church needs all kinds of gifts. Many people desire to have the more prominent gift. Yes, no doubt there are some gifts more prominent, there are some gifts less prominent, but that does not mean that the more prominent ones are the most important ones. No, all gifts are important. But do you know that which is the most needed gift in the church? The most needed gift in the church, you realize that it is to me, it's not the more prominent one. It's really the gift of help. The church needs the gift of help. We need to help one another. It's the people with the gift of help. They are willing. They are willing to volunteer and they don't mind doing anything. They don't mind doing the background job. They don't mind doing you know, the job that nobody likes to do. They don't mind being in silence and nobody sees them, but they are there doing the job. You see, that's why when we serve, it's not for position, it's not for privileges, it's not for status. So don't underutilize that. Now, this is a gift that God has given to the church. 
Now, Pastor Benny Ho in his book, uh, Serving from the Inside Out, which is also, you know, what we are currently doing in our cell, he said that ministry is not an option, but a mandate. he started with this. It, it doesn't mean how old or how young you are. It does mean, right, that you need to continue to serve. It also doesn't matter whether you are long-time Christian or very new Christian. There is a place for you to serve. You grow through serving. And Rick Warren, in his devotional, Daring Faith, I'm sure many of you have gone through the devotional. You have not. I, I really strongly encourage you to go through the devotional. So in one of the, one of the day, he said that significance comes from serving. Significance comes when you start thinking about other people more than yourself and you give your life away. You cannot be selfish and significant at the same time. Notice what he said. You cannot be selfish and significant at the same time. You want to be significant, you must put aside selfishness. You must put aside self-centeredness. You have to learn to give, learn to serve, learn to give yourself away. There is where significance comes in. So selfishness and significance does not go together. It cannot be at the same time. So I urge you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that you are not yet involved in serving God. Do take a step forward. Do take a step forward and start using your gift for the benefit of the body of Christ. And for those of you who have been serving, thank you very much. Thank you for serving. Right? Serve, continue to serve with joy, continue to serve with passion. And guard your spiritual life as you serve so that you will serve with the overflow of God's anointing. You, that's what we need. Right? We want to serve with the overflow of God's anointing. So as you serve, guard your own spiritual life so that you will also grow in your intimacy with God. When you serve out of the anointing, your service will be a blessing to others and you will be blessed in return. I think this message will be meaningless if we do not do something about it. So you realize that we have come out with a form for you to fill that area that you want to serve the Lord, right? And uh, you can click on the link or you can even uh, scan the QR code. Now, this, this is also uh, placed at the registration counter outside of the welcome lounge. So later when you go outside there to either sign up for your SCG or IDMC conference, you will also see this sign there, release to serve. And for those of you who are not involved, kindly scan it and then indicate which area of ministry, which area of service you would like to participate in. So that together as a church, we can build up the body of Christ. And some of the critical areas of need that we have right, in the music team is that, that we need male vocalists. <laughs> Brothers, we need your voice. We need male vocalists. Many of our backup singers are ladies. We need men, male vocalists. If you know that God has given you a voice and you are, you, you are not tone deaf, then please uh, volunteer yourself. All right? And we also need drummer. Right? We need drummer. Uh, if not every time, uh, it's only Benji that's going up or another one, Jason, that's all, you know. Uh, so we actually need drummers. And we also need sound men. We need lighting personnel. We only got one lighting personnel. <laughs> right, so we need lighting personnel. Now, all these, uh, don't think that the music ministry and the media ministry are only for young people. They are not. You know, uh, last year I went for a church dedication, another church dedication. They were cameramen. 
And wow, I was surprised that those cameramen, they were all senior citizens, not the young people. They were the senior citizens holding their camera and taking pictures with the official tag. So that means it's not just anyone just take their you know, handphone to snap picture. No, they are official camera crew and they are senior citizens. So if your hand is still steady and not shaking, you can hold a camera, you can volunteer yourself. Alright, so uh, uh, we need all this, we need designer uh, and uh, many others and we need lady mentors There are some, you know, in our mentoring emphasis, there were some ladies that signed up that they want to be mentored But we don't have enough lady mentors We need more lady mentors, you see uh, So there are many other needs, uh, we need transporter to fetch the youth And later when we restart our uh, stage uh, on uh, what you call that uh, physical, we need transporter as well uh, And there are many other services that we need so church, I urge all of you uh, to combine our heart, our effort together uh, and to serve because Jesus has released us for service.